Alonso hits one deep to left field. Forget that. That is way out of here. Pete Alonso, number 39, and he's now the all-time single-season Mets RBI leader. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 27th. It's episode 102. Two more than 100. Your eyes do not deceive you. Jerry Blevins is joining me in person today. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack. Jerry, what the hell are you doing in New York? Oh, I'm just uh, hanging out with you, my man. Nice. You came it's here just so for me. nice. Love I that. wanted to record episode 102 is a special one. Of course. And I wanted to make sure it was in person. A very significant milestone <laughs> is 102. <laughs> 102. Apparently, I'm having some camera malfunction. Jack, oh, how are we doing? Let the people dro- know, Jack. Let droopy know. camera. Let them know, Jack. Don't worry about that. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play it off. You can get into mine. Uh, Shea Station is brought to you by Bear Burger. We love our friends at Bear Burger. Thank yes, you them we for do. presenting us. Uh, the Mets took two out of three in Oakland. Two great games, one stinker in the middle that I was away from the TV for. I chose the best game of the year, possibly, to miss. Yeah, well, I mean, there were some cool things to see in there. Were there? Yeah, you don't know because you were LARPing. I was out there LARPing <laughs> at the Renaissance there. Fair. <laughs> I can't help but think of a Renaissance Fair, and I'm down for it. It sounds like a great time. Uh, I always think of the movie Role Models. Mm, good movie. And yes. And so, that, which is a great, really funny movie. Who's in that again? That's a Paul Rudd. That's a Paul Rudd. Um, Stifler. Is it? Stifler's Jack's in that nodding. One. I think you got it right. Yeah. What's his real name? Sean William Scott? Sean William Scott. All right. Nice. Nailed Look that. Look at that. I see. This is what I remember. I remembered the poster for it. And then the, peeing on the wall. So, that's, yeah, that's it's so good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Show the think camera. Of, what? Show I showed him. Can. They you don't need the... to know. It was uh, <laughs> Drink Minotaur was like their their job that they had pushing the Red Bull Monster type yeah, of I energy was, uh, drink. I was not LARPing there, though. I was just there eating some mutton, pickle on a stick, enjoying the joust. Were you drinking any mead? I was drinking plenty of <laughs> mead. Way too much mead. <laughs> it was a good time. It was not a good time in game two. We're going to tell you guys all about it in our game recaps right after i tell you about bear burger come on we bear, love burger. bear burger they just picked up talking giants love that love our friends over there panic and bobby they are a burger joint and as you know they're not bogged down by labels you can create your own burger and put whatever the damn hell you want on it and when you do let us let them know john boy sent you tweet at them at bear burger for a chance to win a bear burger gift card haven't seen a lot of our listeners been doing that so guys capitalize on the opportunity the competition isn't really there right now you can go get yourself some free bear burger credit uh, they also got the lunch special the kitchen and bar happy hour it's hands down the best in new york city one dollar pbrs five dollar mules and martinis half off bottles of wine and of course the best burgers in town Really good combo there, so click the link in our description to find yourself at the best happy hour, tastiest burger joint, and overall great spot at order.bearburger.com. Thank you to them for being our presenting sponsor as we wind down the stretch with only eight games left in the season. Eight games left. Wild. Wild. Yeah. Wild at the same time. That was nice. Are we ready to recap? Uh, I'm ready. I'm going to take a swig. Mm. Jack, roll that music. You have game one, so... Mm. The Mets pulled up to the Blevins' old stomping ground in Oakland for the first time in years, and they got the scoring started with a big second inning. 
Alonzo, and who else but Darren Ruff, who we're going to talk about him later. They crack back-to-back singles, and McNeil single loads the bases. Uh, Mark Vientos, who got the start in game one, he gets jammed, but he lucks into an RBI single, so good for him. Nimmo punches a two-run single of his own, so it's an early 3-0 lead off Cole Irvin, the de facto ace of the A's. They knock him out of the game with an even bigger fifth inning. Nimmo singles, Canna doubles, Pete walks to load the bases, and Eduardo Escobar, September is his month. He crushes a grand slam, the first of his career, and that comes from the right side, and it's a 7-0 lead for the Mets. Uh, McNeil singles, and Vientos adds a double for his second RBI of the game, 8-0 Mets. Uh, Ruff gets hit by a pitch in the seventh. McNeil reps a double. It's misplayed by Seth Brown, so it scores a run. The Mets are piling it on in this one. And on the other side of the ball, Chris Bassett was dominating his old team. They had nothing on the book against him. Eight innings pitch, two earned runs, six hits, one walk, two punchies. So a lot of soft contact, tons of double plays in this one. ERA goes down to 3.27. He's now just one of 11 starters this year with three or more starts of at least eight innings. He loves to eat innings, our guy Chris Bassett. And Drew Smith, our other guy, he seals in the ninth inning with a dominant 9-2 victory. Mets go four for 12 with runners in scoring position. Multi-hit games for Nimmo, Canna, McNeil, and Vientos. They take care of business in game one, and we all, I think, had sweep on our mind after this first game absolutely Chris Bassett dominant looked great had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and anytime you give a guy like that extra motivation uh, I think it shows up in spades because he was nasty he was absolutely nasty not a lot of strikeouts in this one but solid defense behind him in this Uh, got double plays when he needed to uh, really, I think he had like maybe 50 pitches through the first five innings. Like he was cruising. efficient, carved. It was. Um, it wasn't the strikeout total. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I don't think he was going for strikeouts. I think he was. He he did lean heavy on that sinker. Yeah. And allowed the 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 defense behind him to make plays and. Uh, he threw eight. I think he only threw ninety some ninety one pitches. Ninety one pitches through. Yeah, could have gone out again. Um, but they needed they have guys this is the end of the year we talked about the games left they want to make sure that you get all the guys in the bullpen some action too uh to stay sharp so do the mets have a complete game this year they don't i think they're going to end the year without a complete game it's very possible kind of sucks yeah well a little bit you ready for game two i'm ready game two. Oh boy jacob de looking to continue the dominance of the oakland a's but the offense decided to take it to waldachuk first Jeff McNeil, who is leading off for Brandon Nimmo, who had a scheduled day off after just coming back from that quad uh, day game after a night game. So McNeil's in that leadoff spot, promptly singles. Mark Canna singles, it's first and third. Francisco Lindor, the always steady presence in that three spot. He hits a sack fly to make the score 1-0. Then in steps the polar bear himself, Mr. Pete Alonso, who deposits a pretty darn good 0-1 pitch uh, deep to left to make it 3-0. And that would be all at the top. In the bottom of the first, DeGrom gets it going, looking for a shutdown inning. And instead, he gets a quick out and then gives up a single. Then back-to-back walks that was bizarre to see. And then uh, Dermes Garcia hits a double, scoring two. Then it's three to two Mets, and we're feeling weird. DeGrom's giving up runs. What's happening? Uh, Connor Capel grounds out to score a run. It's three to three. Then ex-brave Shea Langoliers doubles, and the A's have put up a four spot on Jacob DeGrom in the first inning. Little bit of a shocker after the A's jump out to a, or the Mets jump out to a three lead. Now they're down four to three. Top of the second, Mark Vienzo says, hey, DeGrom, I got your back. I'm going to hit my first career home run to right field. A nice piece of hitting. 
op- opposite field showed some of that power that he's promised, and the, and the Mets tie it back up in the second. Let's move on after a clean third. Let's go to the bottom of the third. Seth Brown homers to straightaway center to make it 5-4 to four Oakland A's, and that would end DeGrom's day. He goes four, gives up six hits, five earned runs, four walks, and five Ks. And that would be it, because from there, the Mets offense was nowhere to be found. They scored four in the first two and then went down quietly. Joely Rodriguez, Trevor Williams, Adam Adovino, and Trevor May all give up runs in relief. And the A's lose 10-4 to in shocking fashion. Shocking is a good word for that one. I mean... Uh, the stat that I pulled for DeGrom because I saw those four walks and I was like, how? How does that happen? He's a control freak. The four walks in this start were as many as he allowed in his previous nine starts combined. That doesn't happen. Something had to have been off. You pointed out something very interesting to me that I only noticed now uh, while looking at the data is that DeGrom's release point was not as sharp as it has been pretty much all season. Yeah, his uh, he was off a lot. Like his mechanics were out of sync. He couldn't quite find his footing. He was he was falling off to the left side, his glove side. Sometimes he was coming up short. And for a guy that's so like his delivery is so smooth, and that's how he creates such amazing results. Is everything comes out the exact same way? A repeatable delivery, and in pitching, that's everything. You know, very rarely can a guy like a Nestor Cortez decide that he wants to do things or a Johnny Cueto where it's all wiggles, but he gets to the same point. DeGrom, who's been, you know, we've been spoiled by how great he's been, uh, just didn't have it. And in the postgame, I love the what I heard from him. I was kind of shocked. I was like, are we going to get another MRI? Is his arm hurting? Is this, you know, we've been dealing with some oblique or side stuff from other guys. I was thinking some of the worst things, but... DeGrom stood up in front of his locker and was like, yeah, I got to be better. Uh, It's all on me. The offense jumped out to a lead, and I was just terrible. Yeah. And I don't have an excuse. We'll we'll get back to it. But I was terrible. Seems, you know, kind of common knowledge, but to hear him just be like, look, I I was bad today. It wasn't anything. It was just sometimes baseball is hard. And even when you're the best on the planet, baseball is a humbler of a game. It's difficult to do consistently and he had a he had a stinker so yeah i mean it's weird to think that that's probably the better option of the two but yeah having him just come out and say i didn't have my stuff today i was bad uh, it's probably more comforting to mets fans than anything else and now he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and we've seen degrom with a chip on his shoulder before uh it's a pretty fun sight so hopefully he comes out in his next start uh strong for sure but yeah the mets tacked on early which was something they weren't doing in their cold spell now they are doing again uh, but they went cold in this one, and a lot of the guys that have been reliable out of the bullpen didn't have good days. Joelli's scoreless streak gets snapped. Uh, Adovino surrenders a run. T-Will gave up a run. He's been so good out of the bullpen. Um, it just, on all facets, was not the Mets' day. Uh, and it kind of puts the pressure on for Game 3, where you send out your third ace. What do you got? Yeah, there was there was two other things. One, you talked about the bullpen. It was really good to see uh, Tyler McGill get up and get in fast. Yeah. He came in and he cleaned up an inning. Um pretty quickly, which is nice because he's you know he's a starter. So, right. and then uh, David Peterson um, got up and got hot, but didn't get in the ball game. So that was cool to see him be treated like a bullpen right. guy. Right. Uh, and then the, the one last thing for me on Degrom could have been 
tipping his pitches or not. You know, we'll see what goes on. It was just wild. But this was the first start he's ever made that he didn't get any swings and misses on his fastball. Really? Never got a swing and miss. So his velocity was still there ever. This is his (laughs) first time ever that he didn't get any swings and misses. I can't even believe that. Yeah, it was shocking to look at. So we we talked about it in the post game, but it was one of those things where you're like, you know, what's going on? Because normally when you throw a hundred and he has explosive stuff, you're gonna get some swings and misses, especially when you're all over the place. It's kind of effectively wild, like we've seen sometimes from from Edwin Diaz. Right. He didn't get any. Jacob Resnick of SNY also had a great stat that I thought was interesting. Kind of just like an anomaly thing, but. DeGrom's career ERA in AL West stadiums is 6.86. <laughs> Oakland, Texas, He hates Anaheim. being over he there. He just hates being over there. I don't know what it is. He hasn't pitched in Seattle yet, has he? I don't think so. So yeah. I guess he's not going to the Texas Rangers this offseason. He just can't now, you know? He's not allowed. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so game three rolls around. Uh, the Mets drop game two in surprising fashion but they do send Max Scherzer to the bump to try and salvage the series uh, Alonzo set up, Alonzo and Escobar set up scoring situations in the second with their singles uh, Ruff flies out but Naquin comes through with a two out RBI single against a lefty which is pretty rare it's a big hit for him there it's one nothing Mets they load the bases in the third on a Lindor single and a pair of walks and Escobar who was clutched this series punches another two out hit a two run single to make it three to nothing uh, Nimmo and Canna single and they score on Lindor's two-run double in the fourth, so the Mets are cruising right before Alonso crushes a two-run homer to break the Mets' RBI record and knock out former Yankee J.P. Sears. Uh, so it's 7 nothing Mets at this point, and the A's would get their lone run off Max Scherzer on a Seth Brown home run, who had a nice little series, so good for him. Uh, but Scherzer does cruise in this one thanks to the offensive onslaught. Six innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, seven punches for Scherzer. His ERA goes down to 2.13. Uh, Adovino and Drew Smith both tossed scoreless innings, which was a welcome sight after yet th- uh, the day before his uh, bullpen fiasco. And then the Mets, uh, I think, were a little bit mad about that game two loss, and they pour it on in the eighth inning with five runs here. They open the inning with six consecutive hits, RBIs for Lindor and Alonzo. Uh, Escobar doesn't do a double play, but it scores a run. Uh, later on, Naquin and Nito double in the ninth. They were just hitting around the A's bullpen. Uh, so this one was a foregone conclusion until uh, Seth Lugo surrenders a three-run homer to Connor Capel. Connor Capel and Seth Brown, who would have thunk it? They were knocking us around this entire series, uh, but he does shut the door. Uh, the Mets go 10 for 22 with runners in scoring position. Every starter except Darren Ruff records the hit. Multi-hit games for Nemo, Canna, Lindor, Alonzo, Escobar, Naquin, and Nito. And the Mets win this one 13-4 in dominant fashion. So they take the series in Oakland. They get the job done. I think they responded pretty well after that game two loss. Uh, lots of good things from game three. Yeah, I think Scherzer was the perfect guy. You know, that's what you're you're paying him to do, to be that stopper, to seal the deal on the, you know, the series victory. Uh, he came out, looked great. You know, he pitched coming off the aisle, yeah. six perfect innings in Milwaukee. And then comes out and he's dominant in six innings of one run ball. He threw 91 pitches. He threw yeah. 68 in his first start back. He's at 91. Next start, I'm going to look for him to push over that 100 pitch, you know, um, threshold to kind of be completely ready to go for the playoffs in whatever fashion that is. But he looked great, man. He looked good. His fastball had that zip on it still, um, which is he's capable of pitching at an elite level. 
no matter what he's feeling. Right. We've seen him do it with different pitches, but the last two starts, his fastball has had that jump on it, and that's when he's truly special. That's when you see six perfect innings or a no-hitter yeah. or 20-strikeout style of games that he's had in his past. Uh, that was great. Yeah, um, I want to give a quick shout to Drew Smith, who looked good in his inning as both, well. Yeah, both Fast, innings uh, he pitched looked great. Fastball looked much better. Um, still working on that slider, but I think Drew is slowly getting his feet under him and trying to make that push for the September roster. Uh, Escobar had another great series, which is awesome. September has just been a fantastic month for him. And, I mean, you look on his on-the-year stats now, and it, um, you almost can't tell that there was a three-month stretch in there where he just wasn't himself. His numbers are completely right again. Uh, so I'm very happy for him because I think, you know, this Mets lineup needed him to turn it around. And, you know, we saw him rise a little bit in the order as well, so they're starting to put a little bit more trust in him. Uh, Naquin had a big hit against the lefty, which is a welcome sign. because Good we kinda pitch, too. Great pitch there as well. He stayed on and went up the middle. It was nice. Um, and that was the first run of the game, so that was kind of big after that loss yesterday. And Alonzo, you can't say enough. Uh, he won player of the week this week uh, with everything he was doing these past two series. Crushed a couple home runs in this series. I mean, shout out to the new single season franchise record holder, Pete Alonso for RBI. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. He crushed this ball. He did something, and, and I covered it in the post game, but he hit three different pitches. For One was Corbin Burns. He hit a pitch down. We know he can go hit that low ball, but he crushed that. And then he gets a slider away from Boxberger, and he went out and hit that to center field. And then the first home run he hit off Waldachuk was a fastball. And the way you attack Pete Alonso, the, the only hole and why he gets hit so often is that up and in spot right on the corner at the top zone inside. Waldachuk nailed it at 94, and he crushed it. Like, again, he's been trying to go up there, so he might have cheated, but it doesn't matter yeah. because he went and got it. Yeah. So he, he looks locked in. I mean, he's getting his singles again, which was a welcome sight for me. Um, yeah, I don't think he's always trying to crush the ball. But like you said, like we've seen times where it feels like Alonzo knows what's coming next in the pitch sequence and he just can't catch up to it in general. I think that last home run that was crushed to left center was kind of the exclamation point that Alonzo has found his power stroke again. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. The, the What's made him so effective this year and why he's broken a record, he moved over the names of, uh, I don't know if you heard of these guys, Mike Piazza and David Wright. Those He said, excuse me, guys, there's a new leader in town, some big names. Uh, because So right now it's easy for him to drive and runs because he could see the ball. His swing looks great. He's hitting the ball with power. But what has separated him this year is he's been able to identify when he's not at that point and still hit the ball and knock guys in. Like if there's a vacated spot on the right side of the infield and runner on third, he'll sacrifice himself. He'll hit the ball to the right side. Sometimes he'll get a single. Sometimes it'll be an RBI ground out. Those are things that most big power hitters like himself are incapable of doing because they have an A swing and that's it. That's how they get to those crazy home run num numbers. I right. think Alonso's at 39 right now. He's, he's going to get 40 being kind of a selfless type of hitter, a complete hitter. It's special to watch. You know, they have a guy in the Bronx going for, you know, some records of his own, mm -hmm. but Pete Alonso is really fun to watch and a really complete hitter in his own right. 
Yeah, I mean, you always wish to have an Aaron Judge in your lineup or something like that, but Pete Alonso has just been a perfect complement to the rest of the lineup and what they're doing right now. And uh, we've been employing the next man up philosophy for almost 162 games right now, uh, and it came to full fruition in this series. Everyone contributing. I love that everybody, uh, except for one guy, got a hit in the last game because it just goes to show that this has been a real team offensive effort. Uh, But we should talk about that one guy, I think. Uh, I think it's time. I think it's time. We've been kind of, I don't think we've talked too much about him just because there hasn't been anything great to say and we keep things pretty positive. Yeah, we're a pod, but we're going to talk some Darren Ruff right now. Um, I'll let you lead the way because I have my own thoughts, but I want to hear, you were kind of adamant about talking about it. So why don't you lead, lead this discussion? I mean, it's, it's just tough because you, you see how JD Davis has been doing and you see the, the landscape of that trade and how, lopsided it has already become but Darren Ruff has just had an absolutely miserable stretch and I was really really hopeful for him in this series specifically because we're going against three lefties which meant that he was going to get three starts and had a chance to really prove himself and make a case that he should be on this playoff roster instead he does go two for 12 strikes out three times gets a walk um, not and the craziest part is I think this was his most productive series since that first Atlanta series where he first joined the team and that was on August 5th so it's been a month and a half and his best series since was going two for 12 against the Oakland A's there I think is no possible way you can include him on a playoff roster I think because then you risk leaving off guys like maybe Joel in the bullpen or Terrence Gore as a pinch runner or something I mean the spots you know they run out pretty quickly once you get all your starters out there um, and I just don't think there's a way that he can turn it around now. I agree. Yeah. I, I really do agree. Again, there's some season left, but I don't even know if he can play in these coming games and because so. this was kind of his last trial for me. Yeah, like, I don't make these decisions. These guys are, are designed, but they put him in the outfield too, and he didn't play bad, but he just couldn't get to balls. And we're not a team, we've, we're not okay with that, especially if you're not going to hit. You know, it's okay to be outside of your abilities if you're also going to carry your weight on the offensive side. But he didn't do either of those. There were some balls that, it's not for lack of trying. He went after a ball, it fell in front of him. He got tried to get to a ball behind him. He just can't do it. Um, Apart, aside from the trade, we, we can dive into that a little bit, but I don't see where he fits in on this team. He's a He was a much-needed piece. They needed that power righty. It was a, supposed to be J.D. Davis, and he hadn't yeah. done it. And so it was like, all right, let's give both of these guys a uh, a new set of yeah, new scenery and see where it goes. And it's worked for J.D. Davis in San Francisco. He heads back to Northern California where he's comfortable, and he's been playing well, and I'm happy for him. Um, Zipucky in that trade has also looked pretty solid, and they have two other prospects, which is wild, considering it could have been straight up for Zipucky or straight up for J.D. Davis, I think. I Yeah, like I don't, I don't regret them trading J.D. Davis, I don't think, because I just, like you said, I think he needed to change the scenery, and it's obviously paid off, but... I just thought we'd see more of Darren Ruff. And he was, like you said, exactly what this team needed. Somebody who just crushes lefties and can protect in a platoon role. But I just don't think it's going to happen in the playoffs. And I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the season because I don't see where he fits in when everybody's healthy. You're going to face Max Freed, too. I mean, mm-hmm. who get, who gets that start, you know? Like, is it just... 
Tyler Naquin. I mean, Naquin See, was the one that came through after rough fly down. It's that last strange game. because you have guys like Mark Hanna who it's kind of a reverse splits guy. He hits yeah. righties better than he does lefties. He still hits lefties all right. Yeah. But you need that production. Thank goodness Escobar has stepped up. I know. You know, that has been kind of the saving grace because he he's extended that lineup. But um yeah, I'm not sure I see where Darren Ruff I don't I don't see a lot of his playing time coming up. Again, I don't make these decisions. We'll see. But I can understand it. If they put him in the game, it's because they know they need that production. Yeah. So they're just trying everything to have that spark. And if it's not there, have the other guys pick him up. But it's uh, it's been tough to watch, man. The good part about it, though, is that I think it has paved kind of an avenue for Mark Vientos to get some more at-bats. And he did have a, a pretty good series. He goes, uh, I believe he went... Two, three for seven in the series, a double, a home run, two RBI, two walks. That's a very productive series uh, for a kid who was m- struggling mightily coming into it. Uh, and I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll turn it over and talk to more positive performances now with the apple of our eye. The which apple we're of our eye. Repping again, which is wonderful. I got to. This is the sweatshirt version. I think so it's your I'm, new favorite. I've seen you wear it oh, twice it's, now. Yes, it's, it is my favorite. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going to promote your own gear i think this is i love it i slack today i just wore my, my green sweater you're, you're a main man it's sweater weather guys <laughs> wake up it's perfect in the city by the way yeah i know it's, it's awesome. great weather uh anyway so the apple i'm gonna make i'm gonna take the easiest one here i'm gonna go for mr pete alonzo he's, he's the easy. apple of my eye the new single season franchise record holder for rbi and counting the guy's got 39 home runs. He's got 128 RBI? 125. 125 now. Anyway. Wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah. We're pushing it forward. But he is absolutely dominating. Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. 128. 128. Don't so he uh he went six for twelve with six runs scored, a double, two really big homers, seven RBI, and three walks. The guy has done it all year. He is a special specimen. He fits perfectly into this lineup. He's been needed all year, and he's carried that weight as has been told. So he is the apple of my eye. Very nice. The apple of my eye. Oh, I get it. I understand. Yeah, he wins player of the week alongside Pujols, who had a 700th home run. That guy kind of is pretty good, too. 21 home runs this year? Are you kidding me? That's wild. Um, 19 of them have been in the last week. Yeah. How old do you think Pools actually is? I do. I'm not, I'm not touching that. <laughs> um, Pass. Another big one that has contributed to all, all these RBIs is that Alonso is the third highest OPS with runners in scoring position this year at 1.076 when he's got birds on the pond, only behind Andres Jimenez and Aaron Judge. Pretty cool stat there. Birds I'm on tell the pond, you, huh? you like that one? Ducks. Shit. <laughs> thought I nailed that. <laughs> Birds on a wire. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue in today's ad, which I'm going to tell did you, you. Did you pick an apple? I'm going to pick. I'm going to show you my apple after I. Uh, after this ad read. Look at you. Ad what ad a guy. Hey, business first. In. Business first. And, One of us. Uh, as always, there are there are a ton of hitters on our apple of our eye list, so they're all probably being influenced by win reality the sponsor of today's apple of our eye uh, the vr baseball training application available for you they have a pitcher library consisting of 600 or more pitchers from 8u to the pro level from the release to the spin to the speed hitters get a chance to study every pitch then hit it in the real game i believe the a's were using this for jacob de and that's why they're able to see him so well take all those pitches on the corner 
It makes sense, guys. They give players of all levels a variety of workouts that are focused on pitch recognition, timing, and decision-making. Batters love it. Coaches rave about it. And when reality isn't a game, it's a revolutionary tool that improves hitting in the real game of a baseball in-season, off-season, and in any weather. Hitters can see increased confidence and improvement at the plate. Head to winreality.com slash Shea to sign up today and improve your hitting game. It'll be well worth your time, and you can end up like one of the sluggers on our list that I'm going to go through right now because I got a lot of choices. I don't really know who I'm going with. Uh, One of us was definitely picking Alonzo, obviously, because he had a great series, a record-setting series. But Eduardo Escobar goes four for 14, two runs, a homer, and six RBI. Are you kidding? He's batting 337 in September. Good for Eddie. Uh, Nimmo was productive again, four for eight, four runs scored, two RBI, and a walk. McNeil uh, had a low light in the outfield, but otherwise was great in this series. Six for 14, three runs, a double, and RBI. Mark Canna is returning to form a little bit after a bit of a slow beginning to September. Five for 13, four runs, two doubles, and a hit by pitch. And Lindor, six more knocks for him, four more RBI for him, three runs and a double. Uh, I think... And, of course, Chris Bassett, eight innings as well. There's still a lot to choose from here. I do think I'm going to give mine to Eduardo Escobar, though. Okay. All right, Eddie. We talked about rough. We talked about the DH spot. Uh, and I think that Eduardo Escobar stepping up, while it's been kind of in the background of Alonzo setting records and Lindor putting together a fantastic season, uh, Eduardo Escobar has really returned to form from both sides of the plate, and that is going to be so, so huge for the Mets going into this impending playoff run. The whole question around this entire year was who is protecting Pete Alonso? Who is going to be behind him so that guys aren't constantly pitching around him? And we thought at the beginning of the season that Eduardo Escobar was a perfect fit for it. Uh, He started out great in April, drew a ton of walks, was hitting for power, and then he just kind of went cold, uh, was trying to do too much at times, just couldn't really find a rhythm. And it took most of the season, but we're seeing the Eduardo Escobar that has been a great major league player for the past eight or so years. Um, He's been special. Uh, He had a great series here, crushed a grand slam, the first of his career, which is awesome. You know, he hit a lot of home runs. I believe he's at like 130 or something like that. How many home runs does he have? 157. That was his first grand slam. So good for Eddie. That's a big Uh, number too. That's apple worthy, in my opinion. So he gets the apple of my eye. I agree. Eddie Escobar, put another apple on your mantle. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to shout out Jeff McNeil. I feel like we've shortchanged him on so many apples because we've had guys that just step up. But his accumulation all year is really setting the table for these guys because he's on base all the time, just just hitting, just About doing his thing. 317. Yeah, he's hitting 317. It's phenomenal. Wild. I mean, last year he hit 251. Such a far cry from what we see now. I do think we take him for granted a little bit. I I agree. That's why I wanted to shout him out here because I always feel like, you know, because he's not hitting, you know, Escobar hit a a big home run, had six RBI, and Alonso broke a record. And then, you know, Lindor will hit like eight doubles. So he's always just behind, but he's always, you know. He's always the guy in front of those guys. He's always a bridesmaid, never a bride. He's a (laughs) runner-up. First runner-up for for Miss America. (laughs) And I feel like, yeah, we didn't even really get to talk about Bassett going eight innings. He had the most dominant start of this series uh, against his old uh, friends over there in Oakland. Yeah, this is this was an offensive outpouring. You know, even in the game they lost, they put up four. They put up a three spot for Jacob deGrom. It just wasn't good enough. And then this, off, this offense was just, it's not a good one. 
Sean Murphy, their best player, the catcher, had a really good series. And Seth Brown had an amazing series. The guy hit home runs off of DeGrom and Scherzer in back-to-back days. Like, that's Did you it. have uh, Connor Capel in your book? I, I did know, not. didn't know who this was. I knew who he started. was because okay. I had done some research. But uh, wow. he looked good, man. He looked good. He's finally getting some some extended playing time. He had a couple of nice plays in right field. Uh, and he looked really good at the plate so he's up to a cool 1.5 OPS with is the that A's good now in five yeah. games but so it's pretty good small sample but small a good sample. you know we'll a good first impression um and now so we've had a day off yesterday we have another day off Thursday so lots of time off as that Atlanta series continues to loom um I don't know if you saw the probables for that series let me see if I can find the Atlanta them. series yeah they're oh. awesome uh Hurricane Ian I think is a probable Oh yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. Good Did you know that? Miami. Did you know it's it's that, I, who knows what well, they're going to do? My dear friend Bobby Skinner, who lives in Florida, oh, okay. uh, he might be in the middle of it. So hopefully he he ends up okay. This is the upcoming starting today series versus Miami series. Really, it's a two game series, but it is the battle of the fourth starter for the playoffs. It's Cookie Carrasco in Game 1 and Taiwan Walker in Game 2. Game 1, Cookie versus Pablo Lopez, who is a really good pitcher, except when he's facing the New York Mets. He's had a trouble in his career versus the Mets, especially this year. He's 1-3 with an 11.34 ERA and a 2.34 whip. Uh, on the year, though, He's 9-10 and 10 with a 3.88, so that's skewed quite a bit for Mr. <laughs> Pablo Lopez. Cookie Carrasco, 15-6 and six with a 3.79 ERA against Miami this year. Also four games started, but he's on the other end of it. He's 3-0 and oh with a 2.1 ERA and a 1-1-3 whip. That is the tale of two cities there. Uh, Jeff McNeil's career versus Lopez, pretty darn good. 9 for 16 with a home run. Nimmo, 7 for, for 22. Lindor, 6 for 17. And Eddie Escobar is 4 for 9, all with a home run off of Mr. Lopez. That is game one. Game two, the other end, the competitor for the fourth spot. That is Taiwan Walker, who's 12 and 5 with a 3.53 ERA. He's going up against another lefty, Jesus Lazardo, the hard throwing lefty. He's 3 and 7 with a 3.57. Nimmo, 2 for 2 with his career. Alonso is 2 for 8, both with a home run against Lazardo. Taiwan Walker versus Miami this year in five games. He is a stellar 4 and 0 with a 2.23 ERA and a whip under 1. Lazardo versus the Mets. He last pitched on 9-11. He is three and a third innings on that day, went five earned runs on six hits, three walks, three Ks, and got a big fat L. That is our two-game series versus the Marlins. Very, very nice. Weird little two-gamer. Weird two-gamer. Weird two-gamer. But uh, Surrounded by days off. Yeah, I know. I mean, we were begging for the Mets to get some days off in July and August. Now they're getting them galore in the middle of a heated yeah. September race. Hey, can you want to break some news right now? Oh, you got news to break? Yeah, I do. Some breaking news. Do we have a breaking Please. news button? Hit the breaking right. news button, Jack. Random button. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you hit a random button. That's the opposite. I hope it's not that. I hope it's not that either. Yeah. No. Nope. Oh, these are scary. I don't want to say it anymore. (laughs) No, we scared you off. Yeah, now I don't want to say it. Break the news. Uh, I will be in the booth tonight. Me and Gary Cohen. This will be my debut in the booth. I'm nervous, excited. Um, You know, 
Keith had his accident, so uh, Todd Zeal is on vacation, and Ron's doing the Blue Jays and Yankees game for TBS. So they were like, "Hey, we need you," and I'm 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 used to coming in and and save situations in tight games. So uh, they (laughs) called me up. So that's why I'm here in studio. I get to be in the booth. I'm 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 very excited. I am very excited for you. I was fortunate enough to learn when you learned, which was cool. Got some insider knowledge. Didn't share it. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell anybody yet. So we'll know. hold on to this info until no, I guess S and Y. on the airwaves. This is cool. live. We're live. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a, a dream come true for many Mets fans who oh, obviously have yeah, campaigned sure. for you for mm. years. Um, and, you know, no no pressure, kid, lining up against one of the greats of all time. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, though. Watching anybody but Gary, Keith, and Ron just get destroyed on the air, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm already emotionally no. ready for the, like, they love you. who the hell is this guy? Why is he talking? Goober. Where is Keith and Ron? Bring them back. <laughs> Boo. So no. I'm ready for it. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be myself. Um, so I'm excited. As you should be. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. Um, we're going to clip plenty of you talking on the mic. If you mess up, it will get clipped for sure. Oh, that's fine. Bring it. I deserve it. Highlighting all those mistakes. I'm just kidding. I mean, you've had booth experience this year. I did. You called an A's game, right? This is, yeah, I called three A's games uh, series in in Chicago, filling in for uh, Dallas Braden, who was on paternity leave. So I do have a tiniest bit of experience. So, uh, but it's nothing. You know, this is is the real deal. This is a, a beloved booth that I am going to be a part of for a day. And it's one on one, me and the the great Gary Cohen. Wow. So yeah. no buffer. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be I fun. Mean, you're getting the Pablo Lopez game, which should be a high scoring <sighs> affair. We're, Lots of work. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. So uh, I'll have a good time. You know, this will be fun. Uh, I'm I'm prepared as can be. So have you worn an SNY blue polo before? So I'm not gonna have to wear that. What? So there's a there's a rule. It's if it's under 75 degrees, you wear a suit. So I'll be in a oh, suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, bow tie. No, I have a regular tie. Okay. I don't want to look too flashy on there. Why not? Steal uh, a show, Jerry. Well, I, you know, I don't want to. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers, especially first day. I'm just going to go in. That's fair. Also, Gary and Jerry is, I think, a good name combo. I feel like it's. It might be hard to say for some people, like Gary and Jerry. I was thinking Gary's going to have no hard time saying anything. <laughs> the guy's, you know, uh, as good as Degrom is on He's the mound. Seasoned. Gary Cohen is that good in the booth, so. Yeah, so a weird little two-gamer before we head to Atlanta for the Braves series. For those who don't know, we'll dive into the probables, obviously, Again. in more detail later on. Uh, but Bassett and Freed on Friday, DeGrom versus Kyle Wright on Saturday, Scherzer versus Charlie Morton on Sunday. Winner probably takes the NL East. It's a, it's a high-intensity, high-leverage, you know, a lot of things on the line there. So this is, I mean, if you're going into playoff baseball this is as true of a test as you're going to get um especially for some of those guys that haven't been there before it'll yeah. be a playoff atmosphere i was going to say this is the closest they've been to a playoff series in six years and it's not technically it's still technically regular season but it is for all the marbles and if one team swings it their way heavily it could decide pretty much everything so get fat against these marlins please do not Ah, uh, do not slip up against these guys. You've beaten them all year long. You've taken let us, Pablo Lopez. Let us look to Atlanta. You guys look. Yeah. You know, look for today. Look at Pablo Lopez. Don't think about it too much. 
Um, before we let you guys go, I got to tell you about Candy Digital, the official NFT partner for Major League oh, Baseball. Some nuffs. Some nuffs, as the kids have been calling them. They take the obsession and thrill of card collecting digital with a totally cool digital collector's collection. Five levels of rarity here. Core, uncommon, rare, epic, and legendary. You can get the core card for Pablo Lopez, giving up 10 runs to the Mets. It's probably not worth a ton. It also might not exist because I just made it up. Um, all 80 players on the 20. 22 all-star roster will be included in this series as well with player stats updated daily on the back of the nft or nift if that's how you prefer to say it uh, you can set up an account today at candy.com mlb and start your collection now don't miss that opportunity go check them out thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode of shea station and uh before i let you go jerry i uh, i'm excited to announce my my own fun news it's not quite as intense you as have yours. your own nift my own nift? No, I don't. The Jolly Elf nift is not. I think yet. only I think that's funny. Yeah. So this Do you have is, a nift? Can I get a nift? No, of I you? don't think so. Come on, all right, drop candy. Drop the Jerry Blevins nift. Nobody's gonna buy that. So. <laughs> uh, I'm going to my first solo game this year. I've gone with groups all year long. I've always wanted to go to a game solo. I've never done it before, and I'm going on the last day of the season. I'm bringing my scorebook. I'm getting a hot dog, and I'm gonna watch the boys hopefully celebrate. Uh, their NL East crown in person. That is what game? The last game of the year? Yeah, it should be next Thursday. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. You've never been it. by yourself? Never been by myself. Decided to splurge on a nice seat. Are you uh, gonna Are you gonna wear headphones like to to isolate yourself a little uh, bit? I don't yeah. know, maybe I've never done that either. Bring my Where, are your seats incredible? Or are They're they right behind home plate? Oh. Yeah, I, I I went ham a little bit because I don't. We have a. You could be on TV. I hope so. You're gonna be on TV. We, uh, we have a pretty intense playoff schedule, a lot of content coming your guys' way. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to a playoff game. So I thought I got to get there at least one more time. Uh, we're going to be going nuts in October with uh, pregame shows, postgame shows, full shows, multiple shows a day. Ca- the calendar will drop soon. Shows. We'll shows, just have shows. shows, shows. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun for you guys and a lot of fun for us as well. Yeah, uh, we're excited. First playoff trip for us. I know. Covering the mess. Well, we when we debuted, we were not a very good we baseball team. We a really good time to debut. Yeah. We really did. Right in the, uh, <laughs> right in the West Coast the trip where they just decided to... There are some OG listeners, I remember. Oh, uh, yeah, we a got A lot of guys some. weren't there for that, but our OGs, they know all of We love it. But this is, that's, that's, again, this is what it's all about, being a Mets fan. Embrace what's happening because it's not every day, you know, that you get a chance to, to do something special in October. This is fun. Love it. Enjoy it. This is uh, a chance to see some history, but also... This is this is what being a fan is all about. When you have a chance to cheer and root your team on, this is this is it. So enjoy it. Very wise from Mr. Blevins himself. Guys, that's all we got for you today. Turn on your TV tonight and turn on the volume to hear that guy's voice on SNY. Yeah, that'll be great. Thank you for tuning in. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. See you Thursday, see you Friday. Somebody might join us on the show. That's right, a little sneak peek to some Australian. An Aussie. An Aussie. A lot of Mets fans don't like him. That's fair. He's a Braves guy. <laughs> but if you knew him, you'd love him. I love him. LFGM. See you guys soon. <laughs>